healthcare. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Nearly a two-word review just said, shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the next minute. That right there is a lot of Welcome back to the basement, fellow music lovers. You are now tuned into yet another exciting adventure with us here on Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I am your host, Kevin, as usual. We are so happy to have you down here. Me especially right now, because this is a podcast that I have been um, sort of wanting to do since we started this. We're going to get into it in a few minutes with uh, our friends Drew and Eduardo down in the basement. But uh, let me tell you about Ry Cooter. This is a guy who is... Uh, in large part responsible for my love of music, for diving deep into music way back in the 80s. I heard the Crossroads soundtrack blew my mind. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But really, it was following him and and all the the modes he's played in, all the the journeys he's taken in his music over his career, uh, digging forward and backward that, um, you know, he's one of my favorite artists. And I go through years where I'll like, I'll put it down. And just because, look, you know, after you listen to Ry Cooter or like in high school's Eric Clapton and Yes for a year straight, you gotta you gotta take a break sometime. But I put it down and then pick it up every few years and, and get really into it. And, and uh, just so happens that that about a year and a half ago, two years ago, um, actually it was after listening to Phil Cook's album Southland Mission and talking to him that I, I really. It, it, it lit that fire again, and I dove back into it, and uh, I've been wanting to talk about him ever since. And now his album, The Prodigal Son, is coming out, and so that's what we're going to do. But because, and this could be just uh, me being stupid, I don't know, but but I, I don't know how many of you people listening actually know a lot about Roy Cooter. So uh, rather than play a track at the back or anything, we're going to actually, before we get to the album... Just go through a little history and play a couple tracks, get you acclimated to what what you're hearing, so you can, it can contextualize his new album, which is fantastic. Uh, if you haven't heard him before, uh, this is a you know, I, for me, this is a culmination of this album. This is a culmination of his entire career. It's fantastic, and I'm so happy that we got to do this and that it is in the world. I, I love this album. Uh, I don't even know how we made it through it uh, because uh, this is just. Uh, this this made my year. That this album coming out, so that's where I'm at with it. So if if you guys are like, damn, I feel your enthusiasm. I don't know shit about this. Dive in. If you love Ry Cooter, uh, I hope I hope we do it justice. If you have obviously way more information than we can fit into an hour, um, uh, email because I, I love to talk about. It. If you want to come by the basement and talk about his work, uh, do that. But in the meantime. Uh, we got Eduardo and Drew waiting down in the basement, so let's head on down there as we talk about the, the remarkable career of Ry Cooter and his remarkable new album, The Prodigal Son. Uh, uh, the other one, Tenderheart. Yeah. Tenderheart. Yeah. So that says a lot. Huh. Which is which is to say, um, let me get another check on everybody. <coughs> check, check. Check, check. Yeah, yeah, okay, everybody's good. Which is to say, it's a roundabout way to finally get to talk about uh, Ry Cooter, which is uh, 
a, life, uh, a lifelong dream of Kevin's. Uh, it, it actually, no, I made a couple of years, and, and I'm I'm uh, I'm self insulted that we're doing this before talking about Steely Dan, but so, but so be it uh, because um, look, this is uh, these things happen, man. Yeah, yeah, uh, we're gonna be talking about uh, Ry Cooter, seventy one year old now, Ry Cooter, a a legend. If he's even real, I, I'm not convinced <laughs> if this album like what a Ry Cooter actually is. <laughs> Maybe it's just a noun. It's out there. It could be a weird sex move. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, things were going great, but then I slipped with the right cooter. Right cooter. Yeah. It just all went, no, just all went no, south. No. Uh, that would be in the 70s, sir. <laughs> uh, but that, that's that's where he got his start. Uh, this guy is has had now a 50-year career. Um, started off um, in, like, Santa Monica, like, California. He's, he's, a, he's an L.A. dude. I honestly wouldn't – you wouldn't know it from listening to it. Because so much of his music is steeped in, uh, it's blues specifically, mm-hmm. but really, uh, he does a lot of what Phil Cook is starting to do now. Part of Phil's journey, oh yeah, for, part of Phil's journey is is exploring uh, different ethnic cultures in their music. That's why he produced like Blind Boys of Alabama, which I, I could be mistaken, but I think Rye has also done that. Uh, his credits are like seventeen albums, just himself. 17 soundtracks we're going to get to a lot of that but i want a little background here and a little musical background which is something we don't usually do so he comes out like in the 70s and he's he's a, he's like people are like damn this dude is the jam uh ends up playing with people like captain beefheart uh eric clapton mm-hmm. the rolling stones yeah he's on let it bleed and sticky fingers Right, like Love in Vain is like that. That slide is is Ry Cooter, and I mean when they, you know, when the Stones kind of embraced Americana in a sense, that like yeah. Southern tradition. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. even by then, it's like he is he's the go to guy. Um, in two thousand three, he was uh, listed as the eighth greatest guitarist of all time. And many would put him higher, I think, uh, at this point, but. You know, started off doing stuff just like playing with. He played with Bill Monroe and Doc Watson. Yep. Like this, sure this career yeah. is so weird. It's like, and and what's even weirder is the album that we're going to talk about, uh, the Prodigal Son. <laughs> Accompanying it is like a short story, as if it's like magical realism, as if like some chance meeting with Ry Cooter by the author, but that clearly didn't happen. Um, that's based on the it, and and if you follow like his music throughout these seventeen albums. Uh, you, you see this development uh, heavily based in blues always, and it started um, with an album, self-titled album called Ry Cooter in, in 1970. But it was in 1974 that he really uh, got a got a real foothold, and and this album is considered one of the great guitar classics. It's, it's honestly considered a blues classic, and this is the song, which is it's so 70s, but it's so great. Uh, this is uh, "Married Man's a Fool." Now you realize he can read the good book back from Revelation down to Genesee. You know, last Sunday morning he was over to the church. My buddy wants to take him a stand. And he looks out upon the whole congregation. The good book in his hand. Now he cast his eye about. And then he looks over in the Amen corner. All the sisters come here to shout. What did he say? He said a married man's a fool to think that his wife loves nobody else but him. She's sticked by you all of your life. 
21. Every married woman got to have a little fun. Just read on over chapter 22. Just shouldn't let that woman make a fool out of you. Now you read a little further. Chapter 23. She two-time you, brother, like she double-crossed me. Read on back over chapter 10. Shimmy me one time. You got to rob him again. Cause, uh, cause a man that's fool to think that it's Everything is there for a the formula of Roy Cooter. You have uh, blues, you have gospel, you have country, you have humor, uh, you have uh, even like uh, he goes heavy into Cuban later on in his career, but like calypso rhythms and stuff. It's it's this weird mix that I don't, I still don't as much as I listen to this guy. I don't understand like how this all mixes in your head. You're a musician. I can't imagine like thinking of this many things at once and and somehow making them work. It's a hallmark that follows him throughout his entire career. Um, but uh, you know, I I'm hearing a lot of the band in that. Well, yeah, it's '74. Is that so? Did they? Did they? Uh, he must have like what uh, produced the band or something. No, I, I, I think he was just. He's just like in touch. He's 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 on a ley line or a permanent mm-hmm. ley line. The ley, maybe he's the ley line just follows him around. It's connected to him, and then all this music that's flowing out there. So, but yeah, that is at that point. What when was the last waltz? Seventy seven, seventy eight. Yeah. So the the they're starting to wind down by seventy four. Right, right, right. Yeah, that was like I was big definitely pink, getting at least at house. least in the in the verses like a big like Cripple Creek vibe, yeah, and, like yeah, a live yeah. on helm. It's Cripple. Sort of it's like. it's Cripple Creek, but it's also what's hilarious about it is that you take this uh, this sort of religious music, this gospel thing, which I mean that that the second if you didn't think you were in a church when you were listening to that, like check your ears because that's you know, and Phil again, Phil Cook does a very fine job of of putting you in a place like that. So it's funny that that Phil Cook um, comes up because I was just checking out uh, Cooter's credits and he actually played on uh, Randy Newman's Sail Away, which I think we heard Phil Cook cover yeah. when he was opening right. for his right, right, messenger, right. which Phil is Cook like is a, a weird... fan. No, yeah. we, we yeah. originally wanted to do this podcast with Phil, oh, wow. uh, so there might be a follow up. But um, but uh, but my point is, is that it's this mix of like secular and and just wrong, like. You know, you're in church. Yeah, this is great. And it's like, yeah, your your wife ain't gonna stick around. She's got to get some from someone somewhere else, which is <laughs> like audacious. And yet, at the same time, it's audacious in the tradition. At the same time, though, it is is it's perfectly seventies. Yes, everything in the seventies. If if you weren't one side or the other, you were wandering. We talked about this a lot with I think Neil Diamond. Right. Right. You know? how ridiculous like some of the conceits of his songs were and uh at least now in hindsight it was a, it was a much freer time i know janelle Monet right now is like free as fuck but i mean hey, come on like the 70s well, are a little crazy well it's also sort of um and i think this is probably the 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 kind of the the paradox of of Ry Cooter is is how deeply he goes into this weird sort of swampy funky boogie woogie texas blues whatever we want to call it um genre and and through it discovers like western african music and cuban music and taj mahal is there you know alongside him and um and so you you know you you just get the feeling that there's all these like uh sort of family trees of music where like the first major branch is somehow tied to rai cooter right right directly or indirectly 
Well, that's actually a good lean into what I want to talk about the, the next song before we get to the album. Um, this movie, Crossroads, the Walter Hill <laughs> film, uh, we laugh because it's Ralph Macchio. Uh, and he's a blues guitar player. Mm-hmm. Steve Vai is on it. But Ry Cooter yes. did the soundtrack. And and if I'm being honest, uh, as a teenager when this came out, I believe, uh, let's see, when did this thing come out? Soundtracks. I saw uh, it in the theater in Rio. So probably 86. 80s, yeah, I was going to say. 86. Okay. And by this point, he's been doing soundtracks his whole life. He did the soundtracks for the Long Riders, Southern Comfort. A lot of westerns, that, Street, that, Streets of Fire, yeah, like that, that bar movie with Tom Cruise too, right? Yeah, Cocktail, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cocktail. Yep. Uh, most importantly, Paris, Texas, which we're not yes. going to play a track from yes. because you have to, you actually have to buy it to get it. And I don't want to tease anybody. Okay, uh, but that is such an astounding piece of music, mm-hmm. uh, and um, and actually, in 1989, one of my favorites still, even though the the movie was terrible, it was um, oh, who's the guy, Mickey. Uh, it's nine and a half weeks. Mickey Rourke? Mickey Rourke, yeah. Did he do Angel Heart? No, he did Johnny Handsome. Oh, wow. Okay. And this is a companion, because Clapton actually started working in these soundtracks and doing yeah. stuff. Clapton did one called Homeboy, but Johnny Handsome was the Roy Cooter one. And mm. But but if I'm being really super honest, uh, in 86, I didn't know too much about the blues. I appreciated some. I certainly didn't know fuck all about Robert Johnson. Yep. And I didn't know anything about this music. So this movie comes around, and and I'm... You know, like a lot of people that age, I was like, what, 14 then? Starting to experiment with guitars, right? Uh, and, uh, well, most people that age are experimenting with ladies <laughs> or drugs. And guitars. And guitars. To get ladies. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, but uh, this movie comes along and um, he is emulating on this thing uh, a character by the name of uh, Blind, Blind Boy Willie, uh, Blind Boy Fulton, which is somebody he covers, Blind Willie Johnson. Mm, on the new album, okay. uh, that's the guy he's based on. But uh, and and it is, it's just a standard tune. But the f- I remember the first time I hear it, and every time I hear it, I'm like, "Well, this is what the blues is supposed to be like." Andrew, you were saying stuff like that there is uh, 80s drums in there. There is. There's weird percussion in there. There's it's 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 everything. Right. right. Um and and but it was the first representation I saw because 
immediately after this, not just me, I know a lot of people who did this, saw this and were like, fuck, well, there's a Robert Johnson box set out. Who the fuck is this guy? And then Clapton comes yeah. out with a box set called Crossroads. Right. And then it's like, oh, shit. You know, the, the, the highlights of those aren't the uh, like the Cream songs or the Yardbirds. There's Delaney and Bonnie in there. Um, there's the Blues Breakers. Uh, and, and you get to hear people mining these traditions. It was just happening in the 80s. People were rediscovering it because I guess it was time. I can relate to almost everything you just said, but we have to swap out the soundtrack for La Bamba. So, mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair. La Bamba um, had a, had a, uh, a it was very similar in the effect of what it what it brought to the table. But 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 there's also an important point in there I think about um, about what Ry Cooter has always tried to do, which is to sort of play the role of like the cool ethnomusicologist in mm-hmm. a sense. Like he's he's always trying to get you to listen to the thing that's behind the thing. Right. Yeah. So he's always trying to bring you in and to, and to like sort of be your guide to something else. And I think he would, I think probably he would be delighted to hear that like a bunch of us went to see Crossroads and, and talked to our parents who said, Oh yeah, that's, that's about Robert Johnson. And you go, he did what? He sold his soul and he, and, and how? Right. And then if you, and then if you do it right, that leads you to Lead Belly and it leads you to all kinds of other things. Yeah. It, it, it's a, uh, do you think that he is, He's doing that intentionally. I think it's. I think it's where his interests take him. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, I think that's the sort of the basis of his like Ali Farcature collaborations, mm-hmm. and um, and I think it's it's in the same way that um, that like you know David Byrne heard non-Western music and thought I I want I want you know I want those thin reedy guitars in American yeah. pop. Yeah. Um and and so I really think he's someone who just believes in the idea of like how music can bring people together. Um I mean I mean you know a married man's a fool is a kind of song where like you could meet someone at a bar in Thailand, right? Yeah. And not be able to speak the same language but be able to tell them what that song is about. Right. 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 Um you could be in Senegal in a in a cab talking to your cab driver yeah. and you could tell her, and and you could sort of both relate to the sentiment of that song. So there is mm-hmm. that kind of universality or whatever built into it. He, um, you know, from here, he went, uh, this was like 1986. Um, by that point, he's not putting out uh, a lot of albums. He put out a, actually a really good album, Get Rhythm in 1987. Um, and but continue on in the, in the uh, soundtracks, the aforementioned Cocktail. Uh, Johnny Hanson, my favorite in 1989. <laughs> but he also started to dig uh, deeper into not just American uh, ethnic cultural music, but other cultures, um, specifically the Cuban culture. Now, this out, so he did a, a Vim Vendors, who's a, a filmmaker, Wings of Desire, mm-hmm. uh, Far Away So Far Close. Close. Most people know Until the End of the World, the soundtrack. Most people haven't seen. Oh, the movie's so it's good. The second yeah. time in a month that film has been brought up on this podcast. So I don't know. Um, you, and, you and someone went off on a tangent about that movie. Me and, and, it's, and it's so rare to find people who've actually seen the movie and remember like the weird ending where they just right. become obsessed with watching their own right. dreams. Yeah, Right. Yeah. But if you know, Vin Vendors is, is very similar in his, um, in, in, in his art. Like, he, he's very specific, but it, it, like, it tends to expand, especially that movie, to be so like, multicultural. Like he's a German mm-hmm. filmmaker, but he doesn't make German films, right? Except when he does, 
you know i mean there, it, 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 he's, yeah i mean even wings of desire has like peter falk in it for right, some reason right. playing himself right. the entire playing movie himself. as like an playing angel himself playing columbo <laughs> yeah right uh, <laughs> which is a which is a great thing but that led to a project that he had been thinking about um called buena vista social club and uh, it's a film, it's a documentary. I think it won some Oscars, won some awards, and it basically put Ry Cooter back on the map, mm-hmm. put Vin Vendors back on the map, uh, put this music of Cuba back on the map, and people still point to it. There's been a couple, maybe one, maybe two even films since then, like Blaine Vista Social Club Revisited, especially now, well, I don't know what's going on now, but when the borders were loosening, like there was a lot of excitement that this is going to, this is right. we're we're gonna see this explosion of of the music that was touched on there, which is uh, to sum up the film, it, it's kind of you know uh, just a what we wish like any scene in in America would be, mm-hmm. right? It's just dudes sitting around like not just playing music but exploring their culture uh, through the music and 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 maybe not making a lot of money at it, but making a living. It's it's great. Yeah, it's it 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 creates like there's a weird dynamic with the Buena Vista thing, which is that it it sort of came on the heels of, um, I think for a lot of people like being exposed to non-Western music through mm-hmm. honestly through like Putameo sampler CDs at Starbucks. Like that was probably the main yeah. mechanism by which people, other than other than like Graceland, right? right. Um, and and there's a, there was you know there's this there's this weird th- you know it's it's just a complicated thing and, and and David Byrne has written you know more about this than 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 I could but the concept of world music the way the way Western music fans um, you know treat it as somehow more authentic or more real or something when in, when in, when it, it it may be it may not be it's just it's just different um, and I and 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 I have you know I had sort of I knew who Ry Cooter was and I sort of forgot he was a thing until Buena Vista happened and I was like oh right this guy right right and I and I and I love the album but I think um, it's unfortunate that that it didn't that I think a lot of listeners uh, didn't view it as a way to like engage more meaningfully with with other types of music right it sort of became the one right it sort of became like a token of, like a you yeah. know. That's my non. When that's I like my, this kind of music, I right. grab this particular CD, yes, but right. I haven't like, gone beyond. Right. That. Everything else I have is like artists that have been on the cover of Spin magazine from 1991 to 1999. But I have this one Buena right. Vista thing for when I have a dinner party or something, right? And that's the. But so so but Rye did clearly because yes. that's what he does, and, and he kept going uh, Chavez Rosine in 2005. But it was a um, it was a, um, uh, drum Negrita in 2003. Uh, is is the track we're going to play? But it's off an album called Mambo Sinuendo, and when it came out, it was sort of like, "Hey, Ray Cooter's back. He's playing with this uh, guy from Buena Vista Social Club, Manuel uh, Gilban, who's one of the stars of the movie. But he's he's just an amazing guitarist. And uh, I remember this coming out, and it it was, you know, Buena Vista aside. Like you said, you sort of like, oh, Ry Cooter is still doing shit, right? So, because I still listen to Crossroads, that I'd just pop it in, like, okay. And this tapped into this weird thing that was going on there. Uh, it's labeled as jazz. I, I don't think it was marketed as jazz, but it was just, uh, it was like chill. I remember a friend who was, who was really into dance music at the time, and he was like, you got to hear this. I'm like, how do you know who Ry Cooter is? Uh, but uh, but you would play the first track of this because uh, this is one of the, the great albums of the aughts that maybe most of you didn't hear. 
is legit one of my favorite albums of all time. Uh, I'm I'm happy that you guys have never heard that. Yeah, so totally. Now you're like I'm I'm putting this on the list. Now. <laughs> Every everybody was everybody's in the basement like, oh yeah. Yeah, this just got added to my library. Yeah. And it's not just because I love, you know, Bill Frizzell and Mark Rebo and, and right. that sounds which like is all exactly that. the makeup of their DNA. Yeah. Right. Which, which but, and we haven't talked about that. Yeah. Like how you know, how somebody who was pretty explicitly like blues and gospel goes on to influence like this huge jazz scene because like, oh, yeah. without, without Ray Cooter, there's no Bill Frizzell. You, I mean, right. You, and you, and you can trade, I mean, so, so, you know, Jim, Jim Keltner, I think played with him early on yeah. and Keltner plays with Frizzell. Keltner was in the Jerry Garcia acoustic band in the eighties. Um, and I think I, I'm pretty sure I saw him playing in Lyle Lovett's small acoustic band in the early two thousands. Really? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But but yeah, I mean I mean you can almost it's like 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 there there clearly is like a six degrees thing with with Ry Cooter and and most musicians that are worth well and it, talking and, about and I think it, it comes from um, he's one of those rare artists that that he's he's a zealot right mm. he just goes in and he out is, of, yeah. he goes in and out of history I mean I until yesterday I didn't know he was on a Rolling Stones album wow and I've been a fan yeah. of his for like uh, thirty years. Yeah, that's because I just never thought to look. Like, why the fuck? Why would I look at Sticky Fingers and be like, "Who did that?" I Keith. Yeah, Keith <laughs> right. did that. Keith right. laid it down. I was like, <laughs> no, that was Ray Cooter. And like, the more you find out about this guy, and the more you listen to him, and this is the hole that I've been in for now a month uh, at least. Uh, you it 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 changes the way. You listen to music a little bit, at least me, and it changes what you want out of music because he can take something very simple and he can just make it this expansive thing. Like he can do so so many soundtracks so well because that's what soundtrack work requires. You have to yeah. have almost another character; it's another space uh, that you're and pull the feelings out that you know in a film you can have two people looking at each other and it can be mean something radically different if it's something exotic, something. Uh, atmospheric or like you know a death metal like dun, 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 you know that's and he knows has that and it comes out of the music and I yeah. and I don't and this is just m- me being ignorant I don't know many other artists who can do that like I I just can't name any who are that good over that long that proficient that have figured out that like they're just it's just like this is right Gooder. Well, I don't know that there's anyone who's taken that same kind of that same kind of pathway where, you know, he's not really looking to I mean, I, I don't I don't know I don't know that Ry Cooter has any specific commercial goals in mind. Yeah. I don't think he ever did. No. Um, I think he just always wanted to like make music that didn't suck, right? And yeah. he was and he and he sort of every time he had a, a, a few degrees of freedom, he just exercised as much leverage as he could to do the thing he wanted to do. And, and, I, and I'm saying this, like, I know this, but I don't know, know it because, you know, I'm not, I'm not like steeped in his discography, but I've, I've heard enough of his music over the years. And he's certainly like influenced probably two thirds of the musicians in my library in very yeah. direct and explicit ways. Yeah. It's probably really good that he came out in the seventies, that like weird era you were talking right. about where there was this like kind of freedom, f- freedom and this tolerance to like, have these kind of like repertoire artists on your label that you knew were never going to sell, yeah. you know, but millions like, of, of copies, but they're, they're, they're doing good work. Your, the, your label and, and everybody that works there is really proud of like these artists. And he was able to establish himself and then keep that up. 
I think uh, it's weird because I think he actually did sell. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think he did sell well. And I think it was because there's also a time that you could just say, this cat played on Sticky Fingers. Or this cat played right. with the Rolling Stones. This cat played with Beef Heart. Yeah. Uh, which that's, that is the whole, in my knowledge, we were talking about this at Water. Like, yeah. I, I can't listen to Beef Heart. And it's not, I, I know. Uh, that's okay. That's I know, okay. No, I know a Trout, lot of people consider. Trout Mask and Safe as Milk will, look, be, will be there waiting for uh, you. <laughs> no, a lot of people consider it an exercise. In 46 years, I have tried like many. Too many times, and it's not. It's not. It's not going to happen. Well, I, I, you know, I think. I think what uh, what matters there, and I think what you hear a lot of on 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 the new album too, is that is that sound that is recognizably um, uh, borrowed by Tom Waits, by a number of other sort of blues dudes like John Hammond or Chucky e. Weiss, all of whom are sort of in that Waits uh, group, and and so it's not it's not a coincidence that um, you know that all comes out of Beefheart. Most of the sound of that, like like Mark Rebo's guitar tone on Rain Dogs, is Ry Cooter's guitar tone right. from from Beefheart, and Mark Rebo's guitar tone influences Modesky Martin and Wood and Shrey from Fish. Um, it gets Mark Rebo on. I mean, he's he's one of those sort of like Zelig type guys, where like mm-hmm. he's been on everything too. But again, without without a Cooter, there There's is a no new album come out too. Does he really? Yeah, it might be out. Oh shit. Yeah. I didn't know that. We'll talk about but that he later. probably has an album like 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 every three months. I think Mark Rebo drops <laughs> like drops something. <laughs> there's be. there's he's 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 busy. He's like Mike Patton, but right. for right. <laughs> but right. for right. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so uh, which which actually brings us to this new album. Uh, this is his first album. I think in like six years uh, it is done. Prodigal Son, um, and it is uh, sort of in a, in a wide view lens about our failings as Americans. I mean, that's speak for yourself, man. I have I have another passport. You, I can yeah, yeah, another passport. <laughs> uh, you know the, the the place we find ourselves in uh, in in 2018 uh, is done with his son Joaquim Cooter uh, handling a lot of the percussion and stuff. He's a mm-hmm. drummer and uh, and a crew of of people that he's worked with over the years. And it is in in large measures reinterpretations of gospel. And blues classics, or at least traditional stuff, and there's a few that are uh, that are just original compositions, and we're gonna name them. But uh, I, if listening to it, I would defy you to figure out which ones are like yeah. Cooter originals, which ones yeah, are yeah. Uh, case in point, gonna play Straight Street, then I'm gonna uh, the first single from this, and then we're gonna see if you guys know who it's by. Well, I used to live on Broadway Right next to the liar's house My number was self-righteousness And a very little kind of mouth So I moved, I moved And I'm living on Straight Street now I moved I had to move I'm living on Straight Street now Trouble all about my dwelling place. 
Cooter original, or is that a uh, is that a traditional song? So, you, and you can vouch for the fact that, that, like at trivia night at the pub, no one pulled out a phone to, yes, uh, to yes. Google. Um, I so when I first heard that, I thought it sounded like either um, used to live down the street from the liar's house. I, well, I used to think either like a yeah. like a I don't know like a Willis Allen Ramsey or a Randy Newman or something like that. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna guess cover just because it sounds immediately so familiar. I'm gonna True. go with a. It's an original because this feels like a trap. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> a perjury trap. You're setting set, set, set me up. Make you um, know. Uh, Eduardo is correct. This is a traditional. Uh, originally known by the Pilgrim Travelers. It was a trap. Oh, wow. Jason W. Alexander, who's a minister, and Jesse Whitaker, who is hmm. in that group, is written. Is uh, be performed in church. Uh, you know, down the street from the liar's house, liar Satan, and it's just like this is this wow. is something you would sing like in a Baptist. Church, yeah. the Southern Baptist okay. Church, and 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 you know because they had kick-ass songs and hymns that they had to do like something cooler. Um, but that's a good intro to this album because I think uh, you know at, at seventy-one he's starting to sound his age, mm-hmm. uh, which can either there might be a weird thing going on because I feel like when like Time Out of Mind came out yeah bob dylan like yep. he definitely like sound, he sounded now we know he sounded an age he's just eternal i don't even know what the fuck's going on he but, barks now but. yeah now now he barks <laughs> but 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 he sounded an age and 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 so there there is a little extra weight to this and they're, and they're making a big deal about this album yeah uh, i don't think it's like hey he's not gonna be around much longer like i hope not i mean 71 is actually kind of young uh, but but it definitely you you feel the years is what I'm saying uh, throughout this. I mean, there thing. is that like you know I, I I can't say it's a trend because obviously artists have grown old for you know time immemorial. But uh, you know you you mentioned like Dylan, there's Waits, but you know like Leonard Cohen. There was this like you know this kind of artist that that reached this certain age where in some respects their their voice became more endearing to me. If he can maybe richer, the maybe a little rougher, album. but yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is definitely that case where I, I think his, I think, you know, I don't know if Ry Cooter's ever been, you know, known for his vocals per se. I mean, they, they work, but they're not, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, how I find those vocals, I, I, I mean, that's where I get a lot of the soul. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think what you're you're sort of hinting at is that they are uh, in fact imperfect, which they are. Sure, sure. Yeah, they they're just what what I think you were talking about about his earlier career, Eduardo, is that he's just a guy. He's just like I just want to make good music mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and doesn't worry about how it comes out and stuff. And, and again, not that we keep drawing the same to our, to friend of the podcast Phil Cook, but 
uh, look, we've heard people are my drug, and uh, yeah, this yeah, is it's, it's, yeah. this is a companion piece. Well, people are my drug is a companion piece to the to Rakuter's entire career, and the reason is is because if you have seen Phil um, or Rye or anybody, it, this stuff flows out of them, and they don't have a choice. Well, yeah, and and I'm I'm curious with that in mind because um, I think there is a choice here, um, which is there's a very self consciously like religious structure to the yeah. record, right? It's it's very um, it, it 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 picks out a couple of clearly you know old spirituals and tries to update them, um, and and you know spending some time with his older discography like that doesn't seem like a new thing, although it does seem more kind of prevalent here and yeah. I, don't, I don't know if that's why the album is getting more attention is this sense that like this is supposed to be you know everyone wants like everyone wants there to be like an an elegant final statement for an artist because because of david bowie and leonard cohen is right? it that or is it the thing that he may not be real like that and that's that's why i'm hinting at because like he he can he's drawing on his entire like life as a musician for this album and also going back to the roots of what drew him to this uh, more spe- most specifically, Crossroads. Crossroads right. was was deliberately and specifically about blues, church music, gospel, and all that stuff. And it pulled all that in. It was a search for Robert Johnson, which is the search for, at the end of the day, the heart of like African American culture. Mm-hmm. And he taught you know that uh, you sent out that that story. Yeah, that yeah, was, yeah. And and and, the, and it talks about how. You know, so he's, he's in the church. Contextualize it's not though, a, it's, the story is 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 basically uh, part of the press release. Mm-hmm. It's somebody wrote it to uh, accompany the album, right? And and there's this you know this scene in the short story where they're in the church and and he just you know finds the, him the, in the, the, the writer in the right the writer kind of mistakes it as being sort of about a, a, some religious experience or a, you know religious music, and for him it's not about religion; it's about reverence. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that he, you know, and I think the reverence thing kind of like hit me thinking about a lot of the collaborations he's done, the Buena Vista stuff. Like he has this deep reverence mm-hmm. for music that has come before him. Yeah. And he wants to, you know, honor that. And, and there's that one line. It's like, I, I don't like change. It usually doesn't work out very well or something <laughs> like that. It, right. it tends to be sad. Right. Um, right, and then they walk out of the church, and all of a sudden, there's like a Starbucks has popped up, and it's like and it's a Wendy's cl- too. It's right. clearly I thought I was reading a press release, and it was just like, what is going on? Like this is some <laughs> weird psychedelic journey. And I want to get to an actual uh, one of the songs that is uh, this is one of my favorite songs of the year. Uh, there's a whimsy to it, and it, this is a Cooter original. Him and his son came up with this, and you can particularly hear uh, not just even in the percussion, but some of the instrumentation uses percussion. Uh, Joaquin Cooter's uh, particular genius, just like his dad. Uh, the name of the song is Gentrification, and that's pretty much what it's about. Standing on a corner, spending my time, not of a job, not earning a dime. Lady steps up, says, I suppose, you're a stylish young man. The looks of your clothes She said, trust me 
a little tear. This building's been sold to Johnny Depp. Who? Take the bow. Relocate. The Google men are coming downtown, so don't be late. middle-aged guys like you think the whimsy goes out of your life uh but here's here's ry cooter at, at age 71 and uh you know there's a lot of randy newman in that particular song but mm-hmm. it's also it's it's taking on a very serious subject and but giving you something you put a little spring in your step you can like you whistle to it you whistle along with it like it's, I, I've always loved music that's like might have like a serious or somewhat dark kind of meaning, lyrical meaning, yeah, with yeah. juxtaposed against happy. this like yeah, bouncy, yeah. happy. Yeah. It's a little weird to me because when like as you know, as the song sort of unfolds, like each element of it, I hear it like I hear the whistling and I think, oh, I don't want any of that. And then I hear like you know when the when the when the guitars come in and they're just sort of like bright. They're brighter than you think they're going to be, and you've got that low kind of bass. Um, yep. And the, you know, there's there's sort of it's 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 one of those cool songs where like there isn't a lot of mid range in it. There's like really high instruments, and then a lot of uh, lower register things. But but there's just all this space between it. On paper, I'm hearing all these things, and I'm thinking like I I don't want to like this song. And then halfway through it, I'm just like, oh, I think. I need to listen to this 20 more times today. I, I, mean, I think we all probably had that, that reaction. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. I remember when this fir- song first came on in the sequence, like I, my, my immediate reaction is, is this is probably going to be the song that I'm not going to like. Yeah. And it quickly proves me wrong when the things, you know, when everything comes in yeah. and the layers yeah. come in and you're like, oh, actually this might be one of the more interesting songs on the album. Um, so he kind of he kind of tricks you a little bit, I think. But I, and this is actually kind of a dick thing to say because I had a very unique experience the first time I heard this. But it literally was driving a car uh, down the one road on the north shore of Kauai towards like a farm to go like check out the agriculture, and it was just it was like the, the perfect like the windows are down. It's like we're just like hey, all right, and this comes on. It's like yeah, we're doing all this, and and I can't. Like I can't separate it from that, but then I so it's I a got, soundtrack, really. Yeah, I, and then I got and then and then I got back here, and I was like, same, exact yeah. same. Like I feel the same. I do, I do. I, I'll, I'll, my my one comment on the actual subject of gentrification is: what did coffee ever do to people? That coffee always gets <laughs> people always love to like to like coffee is a good thing. Here's here's coffee doesn't here, harm here, anyone. Here, here, here's <laughs> the problem. Here's the problem. It's not coffee. I know. I it's know. Latte. It's latte. It's soy latte. It's mochaccino it's all these 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 they aren't coffee man uh, they're not coffee at all you want I, coffee i just i just take umbrage when people attack coffee okay. so <laughs> okay. um i'm gonna do another uh one of the cooter originals right now uh quick and uh i, I think i'm with you drew i think this is it's funny man <laughs> i mean there's the sense of humor without being just overtly like making jokes like it's not weird al clearly mm-hmm. but like he's a 71 year old dude and there's like the literal sense he's the shrinking man but there's mm-hmm. also the songs about something much deeper so here's a little bit of shrinking man well sometimes i worry about clothes shrinking man's gotta look good sometimes don't need no sweatshop child putting shoes on my feet this time 
chain to a sewing machine Down in hell where the sun don't shine Look as good as you can But please don't rob your fellow man Shrinking man, shrinking man Nobody was worried about a shrinking man Could be aging more likely uh, a commentary on the the uh, moral regression of of Americans, uh, the shrinking man, if you will, uh, and uh, that sits again quite nicely. You can go back to anything in his like early eighties, mid eighties, crossroads, mm-hmm. his blues thing, and really cranks up the blues. And but there's still something. I mean that that is very specifically Robert Johnson. Uh, appropriate and authentic and reverent, uh, which is what he talked about. But it also sounds fresh in 2018. Well, yeah, I mean, it, 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 you know, there's, there's, there's nothing in that song that couldn't have been performed on like a porch in 1955. Yeah. Right. There's no, and, and, and it probably was, and it was probably, you know, a hoot then too. Yeah. Um, and it's everything from you know Howling Wolf is in there. Mm-hmm. Like there's just there's there's just so much. You know we we immediately I think Drew and I immediately went to the Waits piece there. Like that little percussion at the start has such a uh, '80s uh, Waits feel too. Yeah, but there's this there's this kind of like I think uh, a production approach that that I've noticed over the past like ten years with artists like this and maybe Waits and and. Um, Leonard Cohen, yeah. uh, uh, Bob Dylan. That's like the drums are really rich and full, but they're loose. Like the, the snare drums tuned yeah. loosely, the kick drums booming. It's kind of it's it's an enveloping yeah. like full room sound that I had not really heard before. You you know the older the 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 prior songs that we've listened to tonight, like they don't necessarily always have that. Mm-hmm. The patterns might be there, but that production isn't. And it seems to be the prevailing kind of production for like modern. Kind of uh, folk and, 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 and or Americana. Joe Henry does it. Yeah. Um, and when you hear that, it's kind of disarming, right? Because you're not you're not ready for. Because we all know, like, what so I saw Loma last night, right? And they're very like soft band, but they're very about building spaces. So literally, they recreated the album in this room. That's what mm-hmm. bands do, and in so you feel things differently and stuff. But when you hear it on a record, especially now, like it's just like what what's going on? I like, had this happen. Uh, people make a lot of like issue about, or they'll pimp it out like, "Hey, you know, we just did this live in the room, Brothers Osborne." Yeah, but it has it well, has a very different feel to what you're talking about. Just letting letting the gate open, right? And like, yeah, this fucking drum like reverbed off that and reverbed off that, and, and the, the, the drums really sounding real. Yeah, uh, you know, and the percussion, and, and there's a lot going on, yeah. but it's 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 arranged in a way that where it is all working, and you can hear everything, and 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 the sound of all of these different instruments kind of clanking and rollicking along. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not a rock thing, mm-hmm. and like the Crossroads thing in the '80s is is very much kind of a driving rock song, mm-hmm. where like this is much more in a laid back feel. Uh, that I think is fits actually a little bit more with the you know going back to uh, the you know the original Crossroads and, yeah. and that you yeah. know in the in the fifty forties fifties. Well, well, there's even a way in which all the songs on this uh, you know you know the way the way they're structured. 
it doesn't because um, I was just struck by what you said, Drew, about the those the sort of like what a rock band sounds like, and they sound like they're going to start a song, and it's and it's like very well defined, like who does what when, right? And this has a looseness to it that just sounds yeah. like well, someone's going to start, you know, someone's just going to lay down a couple of chords and then slow, you know, it, it sort of has this feeling of like the song being built in front of your eyes. And the production mm-hmm. really serves that feel because it makes it makes it sound as though there's just a band in the room sort of figuring the song out as they go. And they're... The flip side of that is it also feels a lot of this album, and honestly, a lot of his, the music in his entire career, sounds like it could fall apart at any second. Yeah, yeah. And that's I think what makes that that song to me is Because exciting. it sounds like it's being played by humans, right? right and like right. And, and and humans are fallible. Right. Oh, oh <laughs> so, they're going for it. Oh yeah. my god. Oh, yeah. they, oh like, they got it. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, it's refreshing you, you know today where most music is really fussed over and, and per- perfect. Yep. You know, electronic drums or or beat map drums or what have you and this is just just the really loose feel. Yeah, this is, like, this is like you're a drummer, you know what to do. Like here's the song. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> right? I, I, I want to play uh, a little snippet of the song before we get out, um, because it's, it's by Millie Johnson, Nobody's Fault But Mine. This is what Ry Cooter was born to do. He knows it was what he's born to do. He's done it before, but it, it, I don't know that he sounded this good on anything. And a lot of it has to do with his son. His son did just amazing work with this, but it, uh, Nobody's Fault But Mine. I nobody fault but mine. Nobody is fault but mine. Well, if I don't read my soul, we'll be lost. And that's nobody's fault Oh, but mine Well, as I got a Bible in my home Besides being spooky as hell, that is uh, comes about the middle of the album. That is the uh, headshot, if you will, the condemnation of what we have landed on. Uh, Nobody's fault but mine is in the original context, is is a Christian... It doesn't have to be Christian, but in this case it was. is is a Christian idea uh, that y- you're guilty, no matter what guilt, like Catholic guilt or, or Baptist, whatever whatever you subscribe to. Um, and uh, this comes at a point in the album after the song Prodigal Son, which he said is, is explicitly about Jesus. Hmm. Like, the prodigal son. Um and he takes this what like fifties? I don't know how old the song is. It's it's old. Yeah, I I I can't I can't he, date it, but it's 
Yeah, it's, yeah. it's and it's an old spiritual. And yes, it may be undateable. Yeah, right. And, and right. moves it right up into you know we're well, it in, gives it we're this in weird... May in 2018 and saying, look, this, this is our fault. Yeah, it's a post-industrial dystopian spiritual now. Yeah, right. Um. And it, it, um, and uh, you, you know, he, 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 he has this habit of sort of, of, of choosing songs that are, and I, th- and I, and I think his point is that everything new is actually old and that, and yeah. that we've seen this all before. Right. But he has this habit of like finding old traditional songs and using them to mirror, uh, current events. Yep. And it's, it's really well done here. And I think on this song, like you can just hear like, the HBO producers fighting over like who's going to get to use this right <laughs> the as the like reboot? yeah or like like for like for like the 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 credit song at the end of like episode one of their new antihero show or something mm. like that and we should all pray it ends Westworld up there season three we should all pray it ends up there and not like in the Venom movie but yeah <laughs> I say Westworld season three I I not not to lighten the mood a little bit but I am so ashamed at the fucking universe that my tweet did not gain so, enough traction. These basic was, delights have basic ends. <laughs> Hashtag Westworld three retweeting a Kanye West tweet. It was Come good. On! It was it was good Twitter. It, it, it was, was good it was Twitter. Good Twitter. <laughs> but uh, but no. But yeah, this is um, I like. There's nothing on this album that he hasn't done before, and I, I think he's one of those rare artists that doesn't matter. I personally am just happy to see him doing the work. The fact that it can move me. Uh, or anybody is is astounding uh, this far into his career. In fact, yeah, thirty four yeah. albums. If you never mind the collaborations, but just straight thirty four albums, soundtracks and original music. Who does that? Wait. Well, he's he's in his fifth decade of recording music, yeah. right? I mean, that's that's not a yeah, it's not a small thing. No, no, it's not. Um, but yeah, I I, I think uh, I mean this is a total win, right? Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's a really, it's 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 a really strong album. Uh, I, I, I can't again. I can't speak from the standpoint of like I don't know his his discography the way I know like Tom Waits's or something like that. But but I've enjoyed the crap out of this record, and it's mm-hmm. going to get a lot of play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad I came out for this one. I've yeah. I've enjoyed it yeah. and enjoyed honestly going back and listening to stuff that I I knew and that I've listened to before and 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 some stuff I hadn't. That's picked. that's that is that the actual joy of this. You can hear this, and it's not—it's not like this is his Europa, right? <laughs> you know, well, the, he went a wild new direction. Like you can literally start at the beginning. There, most of them are on Spotify or Apple Music, whatever you subscribe to, and just just put it on and play. There's an excellent collection called the uh, UFO Has Landed that came out a few years ago, and by a few, I mean it just could be old. It might have been a decade ago. <laughs> it's excellent though, but it's also up there. So, it, if if this is the first time. You're hearing of Rykuter, welcome. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. Uh, I I hope you enjoy it. But uh, really, if 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 you aren't versed in them, uh, technology, we have the power. There's no reason not to take a deep dive. That's what I've been doing. It's been annoying the shit out of my lady uh, <laughs> for a while. But then then she was like, "Wow, this stuff is actually really good." I I think this moves into and then want to wrap this up, like sort of talking about what Phil is doing. This moves into like um, uh, a different kind of like neo soul music, neo gospel music, and stuff. This is 
this is a New Testament because as we forget everything that came before, even though we have access to it, people don't dig back through it. But it, it's much easier to find him than the original songs, is what I'm saying. Right. And that's going to continue uh, as we get older, as we go, you know, 50, 100 years, whatever. whatever. Uh, but people like him, people like Phil, uh, you know, Phil carried on this tradition. He wanted to on the first album on Southland Mission, on People Are My Drug. Mm-hmm. It you know this he is embodied or or riding co-pilot with Ry Cooter, even though Ry was not involved in it in any way whatsoever. Uh, and and so the more people we have out there that are carrying on these traditions, it is sad to see that eventually some of it will get lost. The original context, maybe. Well, it, I mean, it, I mean, you yeah. you work for Folkway, so you know there's a preservation, but you know what yeah. I'm saying. Well, well, right. I mean, I think I think what's what's important is that you know there there's a category of person who is just a Ry Cooter fan, mm-hmm. and they're gonna and they're gonna buy anything that Ry Cooter does, yeah. right? And then there's a category of person like me and Andrew where we're sort of like you know a degree or two removed, where there's a lot of respect, but like I'm not necessarily gonna run out to to kind of collect him or or, or, or celebrate every new release, but um, but the respect for his approach to um like how he views his role as part of a tradition and, and i that, think and that's what i'm talking about and i think he would exactly because, say because that because there's a third type of person that isn't a Cooter fan and isn't going to dive into it they just hear it randomly and that's the way they come by this music that is older than all of us yeah yeah no it's it's uh and and um and to just to kind of hit the um, nail home on on Phil Cook. I mean, he sort of did that with uh, with nineteen twenty two on yeah. Southland Mission, right? Which he didn't which, write, right? Which 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 <laughs> yeah. which you know, upon several listens, I was like, wait, I don't think this this song is his. Yeah, um, his guitar but, player wrote it. Yeah, so. Well, um, one thing I'm going to do though is 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 definitely try to get down to the Birchmere to see him. He's going to be yes. touring. Yes. And, you know, judging by you know when a, an artist is coming to the Birchmere, like uh, obviously. There's an opportunity to see Ry Cooter in a pretty small, intimate yeah. setting, uh, you know, over the next couple months, and that's yeah. that's pretty exciting. It's, it's a look; it's a steep ticket, but the uh, band that you just heard is the band that's going to be, be on there, and, and that's going to so, be, I think, a rollicking show. Yeah, it's it's yeah. going to make you guess. All right, well, uh, thank you guys for indulging me, and, Cheers. Uh, and, yeah. and now. On to Steely Dan eventually. Now that we did this. <laughs> Someday. What other band can we do except for Steely Dan? Can I can Oh I, I know, Jesus Jones. Can I say oh <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll talk we'll talk about doubt later. Can I can I make can I make one Steely yes, Dan point yes, here? Yes, yes. When the A V Club did that thing about the the, the run of the th- you know, the three best songs. Did mm-hmm. you guys see that at all? Yeah. So A V Club they they put out this question of like which album has the best run of three songs in all of history? And no one fucking said the middle of Asia, which has Asia Deacon Blues Peg all in a row. Well, then and we, we were going to have to correct that soon, sir. Fucking infuriating. We're going to have to yeah. correct that soon. Prodigal Son from Ry Cooter is available everywhere on the 10th of May. 
that is Friday. If you're listening to this on Thursday, uh, and it is, um, and just even editing this, <laughs> I was just like, I had to stop and listen to the damn album. Uh, it's, it's, it's amazing work. Uh, it's comforting. It's, it's all the things we said, you know, it's, it's preserving the culture, moving it for it. You know, it's just, this is what music is about. And, uh, this is why I continue to do this long past, I think. Uh, it's, um, it's due date, you know, 364 episodes and, uh, and still going strong, but it's because of people making music like that out there. Uh, that really is, uh, uh and that's why I'm here. I don't know about the rest of you guys, but that's why I'm here. Um, like I said, we're not going to play a track. Just absorb that album. Go out and listen to it. Uh, take a break from what you're doing and just, uh, sit with it or come over here and sit with it. If you know where I live, I'll be spinning the vinyl. First thing Friday morning. Um, and with that, we are out of here. If you like what you heard, subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a rating or a message. Tell your friends. Do all that good stuff. Uh, if you are not an Apple user, you would use Apple Podcasts. But if you're not, uh, you can do us on uh, Google Play, Mixcloud, Stitcher, Pocket Cast is an app, Overcast is an app. We're also on Spotify. So if you uh, want to do a little research, if you listen to us on Friday... You can actually pull this album up on Spotify, listen to it, and then right below it should be us. And you can listen to us talk about it. And, uh, and you know, it's all nice and compact right there. It's pretty, pretty groovy. Uh, as always, thanks to our podcast hoster, Pippa.io. If you go there with a good idea and a small fee, give them a small fee. They will provide you with everything you need to get your podcast up and uh, out on the Internet. Stuff the mics or anything, just the, the back end, the technology stuff. And you got to come with the good ideas. Don't be putting dumb shit out there. At least not dumber than us. How about that? Uh, and with that, we're out of here. Coming up in the next few weeks, we have got Stephen Malkmus. Uh, you thought I geeked out on this stuff. Wait till you hear it more to talk about Stephen Malkmus. Uh, a very special episode where we sat down and talked about a band that uh, we haven't talked much about, R.E.M. Uh, R.E.M.'s Murmur just turned 35, I believe it was, a little ways back. So we got together and talked about that. Uh, got a couple sweet-ass interviews coming up, and then as we get into June, we're going to be talking about Nico Case. That's kind of good. Uh, and a couple other things. They're, they're Father John Misty. He's got a new one out. It's pretty good, actually, if I, if I were to spoil things for you. Uh, but so just keep tuning in, man. Keep tuning in. Uh, get out and see some live music. We're going to be back in a few short days. Until then, be good to your ears, but be better to your people. Talk to you soon. <laughs> <laughs> Kenobi!